0: Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome. It is Wednesday. It's the midweek version of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. And I'm being joined here barely uh, because uh, neither of us got here really with all kinds of breathing room uh, because, again, some traffic issues in downtown Honolulu for a variety of reasons. They're doing some road work. There was also a a protest parade slash uh, type of deal that uh, held up traffic for a little bit. Not complaining, you know, Um, but just saying we barely got here. But I'm happy that we did because uh, this guy is uh, one of my guys. Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertiser is in the house. So it
0: is a full-fledged BTS Wednesday. Billy Talk Sports. What's up, Billy? Oh, just made it. Just oh, made man. it. I'm glad I keep myself in peak uh, cardio uh, <laughs> shape in order to get up here on time. But uh, yeah, it's a little, little dicey today, but good to be here. Yeah, man. You made it. You made it. There's
1: uh, a lot going on, obviously, in the world of sports, and also a lot going on in in your world as uh, your own uh, media platform and outlet, uh, your own organization, the Honolulu Star Advertiser, reporting that the Honolulu Star Advertiser is now up for sale, essentially. And so there is going to be some reorganizing. Um, I'm not sure how comfortable you are talking about this, but um, I just wanted to ask, how are you doing uh, in light of some of that news and and, uh, anything that you can uh, or are willing to share with us?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't really know a whole lot about it. I'll just say that I think, um, you know, it's it's I'm not breaking any news and saying it's a uh, been a rough go for newspapers around the country. And it's uh, kind of one of those jobs that you just are thankful you have right now. And, and um, so, no, I think we all kind of knew that this day was coming, something was going to happen. And. You know, we'll just see. It's hard to imagine there not being a newspaper of record in the state of Hawaii. But you know, I don't. You know, obviously times are changing, things are different. It's hard to make money. It's you know, people are out there on the internet, um, getting their stuff from all different places. So um, yeah, I just um, I don't think it was anything super surprising. But it's just you know, we'll see. We'll see what's in store in the future. Yeah, I'm just enjoying it while I can, man.
1: Well, you you know, I think you and and so many of the other staff members uh, who I'm very familiar with uh, for sure. Um, do such a good job and I, I think it's important I think we can get into a conversation for sure about the importance of having a uh, balanced uh, media newspaper uh, outlet that allows for uh, the kinds of um, either governmental or just public domain reporting and investigations that uh, you know just sort of help to inform people and hey look media has gotten a bad rap uh, <laughs> oh, here man. over the last stretch of time you should see the comments on that story <laughs> about the- I can only imagine. Yeah, (laughs) I can only imagine the trolls just coming out of the cracks. But uh, I think it is important. And obviously, uh, what would be a best case scenario is when you have multiple newspapers, as we once did, that has changed. And I think that isn't an ideal situation. But if you are uh, possibly if we're going down a road where there is at least the threat of not having that kind of everyday type of newspaper, and I'm not necessarily talking about the newspaper, newspaper that's delivered to your front doorstep, but just that kind of regular coverage uh, in your backyard, uh, I, I think that that's a detriment, uh, societally speaking. But, uh, you know, that's a little bit of a soapbox uh, type of uh, conversation there.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's just, you know, especially in times like, for instance, the the fires on Lahaina and stuff, like when something as big like that happens and, you know, even like when the coronavirus thing and COVID-19 all first started and I remember just how many people were flocking to get any the, the proper news they can. Um, that's kind of like when you're at your most important and granted, you know, for some of us, for me, you know, I know joke around my friends, like, yeah, I watch sports for a living, you know, like, like that and stuff. But, um, at at the same time, there's a lot of important things that I think, uh, the newspaper is good for that. I think without a newspaper, it would, um, only add to the kind of mass, uh, infusion of, uh, disinformation and false, uh, uh, media you see on social media and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not, Trust me, I'm not here singing. I don't think where well, the paper's dying tomorrow or anything. I think, um, you know, I think there's a there's a commitment, hopefully, to kind of keep it going in the future and stuff. And so, um, yeah, I'm not um, I'm not I'm not I'm not hoping not change jobs anytime soon. Put it that way. All right. Well, that away, canola. Start things. I on was gonna downer. say, I just rush in here, all <laughs> excited to do the show, and boom, that's where we begin. <laughs> I thought we'd begin by um, I'm going to light it up a little okay, bit. Okay, I, okay, okay. You know I hate doing this. I absolutely hate doing this, but I'm going to have to oh, give no. you your props what? on the radio. I am. It was a it was a banner weekend for Kanoa if you listen to the show <laughs> if you know him. You know he's a big Lions fan. Yes. And um, a very optimistic Lions fan. He wasn't telling every single person he talked to that they were going to get killed by the Rams I literally at all. bet against them. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you were feeling good. Congratulations Thank by the you. way. That did feel it was good. their first playoff win since since when? Uh, 32 years. 32 yeah, years. Yeah. So since uh, 92. And, so you were like 16, 17?
1: Um, I, was, I was three. I was okay. three, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. And so uh, we'll just go with that. And uh, <laughs> But you're right. And, and now it's like, it's almost like that matchup, because that, that was almost like a worst fear scenario, right, where it's like, oh, Matt Stafford's going to come back, and he's going to carve yeah. us up, and Pukunoku is going to have like, you know, 65 catches for 842 yards, which he almost got. And uh, <laughs> that's just going to hurt, right, because it's going to be like, oh, those are the two quarterbacks that swapped and of course the Lions got a whole bunch of other uh, pieces and assets out of it but it's like oh Stafford still has their number and so yeah you can question the non-pass interference call at the end blah, blah 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 I think the NFL owed the Lions one don't you think uh, anyway the fact that they won sort of made that a, uh, a redemptive kind of moment and now it's like dude this is frosting on the cake like they're hosting Tampa Bay and that's no guarantee the Bucks are playing well Baker Mayfield is balling uh, that's not an unwinnable game by any stretch from the Lions standpoint though and now it's like whatever happens I'm kind of good like I'm stoked and if they somehow win this game and they advance to the next round to the conference championship game um, I'm going to be uh, jumping for joy uh, and possibly looking for airplane uh, tickets <laughs> but uh, at the same time it's like you know what that, that was a really cool moment and it represents yet another another step uh under the uh, Dan Campbell tenure.
0: You were saying? Yeah, so I was just wondering what was like, you know, how they have the win probability during games that goes up and down of <laughs> score. Like what was the Canal win probability for the Lions in the fourth quarter with uh Okay, you want to know? Yeah. It? Okay. So it's usually it's like it's a sliding scale, yeah. right? So it's
1: like, you know, it goes from as high as like, you know, 99% if there's any time on the clock uh to 1%, right? It's never usually finite until there's no time on the clock. Uh it was 100% the Lions were going <laughs> to lose until there were zeros on the clock 100 i had no faith i'm over there like sarcastically texting my friend who's a rams fan and i'm just like congrats on your game-winning field goal you would in the final do that minute. wouldn't yeah, you I oh was. my yeah.
0: just jump out of, of that just great. a fatalist all the way yeah that's great no but anyway congrats to you but what i really want to give you props for is so you know we might have uh we were at the polynesian bowl practice the next day and decided to we went golfing at Hawaii Kai Golf Course, and I'm going to yeah. share the story because uh, <laughs> you're a very good golfer. I I have never been Canole here at golf. Uh, what's your handicap like about?
1: Um, you it, can I, be honest. I, I would probably say it's uh, between like a ten and a fourteen. Ten and a fourteen. Okay. Yeah. So
0: I'm more like seventeen to twenty, and so uh, I've never been canola at golf. And we get out there, we start, and and I actually par the first three holes. <laughs> Pard five, I was one over through five holes, and I remember we're we're standing on the (laughs) 6T, and you look at me and you go, uh, you know, Canola's maybe, there's been maybe one or two uh, F-bombs that went off already. It was a little bit of a slow start for Canola. Uh, There was, I believe, possibly a club toss already. And you look over at me and you go, how many pars do you have? And I just kind of look at you, I have a sly little smile, and I flash (laughs) you the four fingers for four pars and five holes. And I'm telling you, this is what I love about you, I just see like, Oh, here we go. Here comes the competitive Kanoa. He's like, there is no way this is going down. And I watched one of the most the greatest athletic achievements I've ever seen in person. I watched Kanoa par seven of the last eight holes and shoot a 39 <laughs> on the back nine in Hawaii Kai. So I am never ever gonna get confident or cocky at all. Uh At the beginning of my round playing against you, but congratulations! That was the highlight
1: of my week. Well, that's that's uh, that's terrific. The fact that it's the highlight of your week uh, is—I mean—that's just the highest of compliments, right there. Yeah, no, uh, it was fun. We always have a good time out there. Uh, The golf fluctuates for sure, uh, but the uh, the good times uh, with with good people—that's what golf is all about, man. Like that's like you know the idea of playing like serious golf um, that just rubs me the wrong way. Like I want to go out there and yeah, you want to like play okay, you know, you want to like hit some good shots that you'll talk about after the round. But it's more just like let's be outside in the elements, under the sun, yes. uh, under the warmth of of, of the environment, and uh, and let's talk a little trash, and uh, <laughs> and you know maybe throw back an adult beverage. Yeah, or more. no more
0: me blowing kisses after making putts on holes. That's but, the thing. But no, but I, let's give Hawaii. We, guy- are, we are omitting
1: a little bit of the Billy <laughs> Hull golf story. we are. We where are there's, ye- a, there's a lot of like clubhead kissing, <laughs> blowing of kisses, uh, the uh, the the sheathing of the yes. club, like
0: uh, <laughs> Chichi Rodriguez style, you know. He celebrates his pars very well. like You would think they were eagles. No, but uh, let's give Hawaii Kai some credit, by the way. If, 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 you're, if you're a golfer, you know a Hawaii Kai can tend to be – uh it's hard to find any fairway out there at times. But it was all green. It was all nice. I dare to say there was a little bit of rough the uh, – Course was in good condition, you know, not to send more people out there and make it more uh, backed up at, at 4 p.m. on a on a weekday. But no, uh, Hawaii Kai was in good shape. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it actually you're right. The like sand in the sand trap, which I found out a lot about, <laughs> um, but like a lot of sand, yeah. and like you could actually like you know, uh, the, actually swing like a real sand uh, bunker type of shot. And um, yeah, it, it's uh, it was green because of all the rain, and um, it was it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. Eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty the number to call. You can text in at that number via the Zephyr insurance text line. Uh, And we already have uh, some uh, texts coming in. This is kind of interesting. Uh, Let's see. We'll start it off here. This is actually like a series of texts. Uh, First one is, why wouldn't any college team want to take a plane trip over the Great Pacific to play even just one game at UH? What an experience for any college age Person. It sort of goes on to say that flying doesn't have to be that boring. You can watch television entertainment and that kind of thing on the flight. Uh, This is followed up. Same texter. Women's college sports, definitely a growth vehicle. UH UH enrollment is 60-40 women to men now. All women's sports need now uh, is for Taylor Swift to dump the NFL and show up to watch some Wahine Hoops games. So I think the point being made here is there are a couple of things at play, right? We had the Craig Angeles show last night, uh, and I asked him about the fact that there are still only 11 games right now, set on the University of Hawaii 2024 football schedule uh, because they were supposed to play Oregon uh, following their opener against UCLA. Uh, that fell through. I think there was some reporting about the fact that perhaps there would be a road game, like a like a money game, uh, at Illinois. Uh, that has apparently fallen through. And so uh, Craig Angeles, who I give him a lot of credit on that show, he is usually very upfront and honest. Uh, he is straightforward and candid with some of his answers, even if it's not necessarily the best of news. And he's saying, hey, look, Yeah, we're having difficulty filling not just the 13-game schedule that Hawaii has the capability of doing because of the Hawaii exemption, uh, but even getting a 12th game. And uh, it wouldn't be the first time if they do add one more game and they don't get a 13th game that Hawaii has played just 12, but they're allowed to go up to 13. But he went so far as to say, hey, look, there is a chance that this will end up being a schedule that features it already features Northern Iowa. Uh, Sam Houston is on the schedule and UCLA. Uh, so you already have one FCS team on there. He says this this is there's a possibility and, and, and maybe even so far as to say a strong possibility that this will be a, a schedule just out of uh, desperation in filling one of those weeks that there are two uh, FCS teams. Teams on the schedule that sort of evolved into me asking about the University of Hawaii men's basketball schedule because we were getting some texts last night about that and you know I think there are a lot of fans who care uh, a lot about UH basketball that are, are perhaps a little discouraged right they've had a little bit of a rough go here over the last eight or nine games uh, there has been some criticism as to a uh, lack of scheduling um, of a higher variety team uh, in the early non-conference slate of of the season and uh, you know there are some factors that Arangana has gone on record as to saying uh, contribute to that. One is, you know, arena availability. And obviously that was complicated with the Maui Invitational being held in Manoa this year. Uh, also, you know, just the, the fact that maybe it isn't as appealing a trip for some teams, knowing it's a tough place to play, playing a one-off if you're not part of a tournament uh, is maybe less attractive. And so, you know, the tournament format, like the Rainbow Classic, usually helps, but they didn't have the Rainbow Classic this year because they had difficulty in scheduling that thing. And so I asked, you know, is there any way that the University of Hawaii can, can help sort of, you know, bolster the efforts on scheduling on all of these fronts, right? In football, the athletics director of the University of Hawaii usually handles The scheduling for basketball—it's usually on the coaching staff with maybe some input—and he says, "Yeah, there are a lot of things we can do. We already pay uh, certain subsidies, whether it be in or out of conference, uh, in uh, all of these sports because of their conference affiliations, uh, and those are the agreements that were put forth." Uh, He said, "But maybe there is another way we can, uh, you know, up the game in terms of like hotel rooms or some of the other uh, perks and accoutrements that come along with traveling out to Hawaii." And so this texter is basically saying, "You know, why? Why wouldn't teams want to come out here?" And I. Do think that there is an overall great experience to be had? Just easier said than done, uh, because unless you are part maybe of a tournament format and you're getting multiple games, uh, I think especially when you're talking about basketball, uh, it's not as attractive to come all the way out here amid your non-conference slate, especially when you're just trying to get your legs under you and certainly be your best when you head into conference play. Uh, It doesn't seem as uh, great an idea, I think, for a lot of coaches if you're just coming out to play a one-off game. If you have a home-and-home agreement, you know, that's another thing. Uh, And then when it comes to football, I think that's uh, also becoming a little bit more of a difficulty because you have these expanding conferences, right? And so in some cases, the regular seasons are going to be ballooned. Uh, You have teams that are now going to be going through an absolute gauntlet in some of these uh, larger power conferences because of the amount of great teams that are now in them. And so maybe they don't want to travel to Hawaii and maybe want to play on their home field or find something that they deem uh, just a little bit more manageable from a logistical and competitive standpoint. So I think that was more or less what the texter was getting to as well as, and this is a sport that you cover, Rainbow Wahine basketball. They're doing well. Doesn't necessarily translate to huge numbers as far as ticket sales are concerned. And so, yeah, that's another thing. Like, how do you bolster the 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 attraction of bringing teams out to Hawaii to play in these ver- various, uh, various sports? And also, how do you f- better market, perhaps, the fact that this is a Rainbow Wahine basketball team that's kind of running the league here in the last uh, few years? Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, where should I start with all of that? Uh, yeah, up to you, man. I mean, I, I think... Um, you know, you can probably speak a little bit more to the basketball scheduling, but I think, you know, you, these tournaments, these pre, this is how you get you, It's hard for teams to come over to play one basketball game. I think the uh, being able to schedule tournaments, being able to get four teams out here, being able to play three games in four days and stuff like that, that's always kind of been the way basketball goes. Football – Look, this is all part of all – every week we get on here and talk about how the sport's changing, and this is part of that. I mean, when you now have um, these kind of – you know, Hawaii could always get, you know, one or two big kind of marquee Power 5 teams that kind of come over here. Those were the games that got everyone excited at the beginning of the year. It was a chance for UH to test themselves. Those are – look, when you have schools like um, Oregon and Washington now trying to play their rivalry games that were usually at the end of the year, they're going to be playing these – in order to get them to happen, they're going to be playing them in, like, early September. It's going to be the weirdest thing because they just – They've got their conferences now. They're in their huge conferences with all the games they're going to play. There's just not not that many open dates. And so there's no doubt that that's going to have a trickle-down effect towards you know the the group of five conferences um, trying to schedule these kind of big games. And so I think there's no question about it for schools like Hawaii, for schools in the Mountain West. It's going to get harder and harder to, to kind of have those games and, and just scheduling in general. Um, I will say about the Wahine basketball team, who was coming up for a couple home games we got this week, Man, go out and check and play. They're fun and they're good. By the way, they're pretty good. You know, they <laughs> they they're one of those um they figured out the formula, I think. Coach is is figured out the formula and, and you know, we'll see how this year goes, but I know that they're all pretty confident. They're feeling pretty good right now, but it's like you know, they might not know exactly in November and they might not be ready to go out of the gate 100% in November and stuff, but but when they play in a league like the Big West where it's almost impossible to get an at-large bid, your season comes down to those three games in March and she just has seemed to figure out, like, the right team to put together, the right um – uh, team to go through a season and then to peak in March, she's got that, and they've they've come out and despite the loss on Saturday, they've looked really good. Mm-hmm. They played really good defense. They've they've they're real deep. Um, I think they might have you know some some a uh, whole bunch of different combinations they could play depending upon who they're playing. Um, so they're very fun, and I'm kind of with you. I know you know I know women's basketball isn't the huge draw or whatever that you know sports like football are, but I've been a little surprised at just how few people have gone to those games. I think, obviously, we've come out of the pandemic, totally changed everything, right? And yeah. I think it's totally changed people's viewing habits. And so I think there's something there. Um, Obviously, the cost of living and everything else. But, yeah, this this basketball team, this Wahine basketball team in general, deserves, I think, some more support from the fans because they, they're a pretty good product. And I'm just, you know, I, I fully believe that. I think everyone, if you're a fan of UH Sports, if you're a fan of Wahine basketball, we're really lucky to have Laura Beam in here coaching this team. <laughs> and so I'd, you know, maybe... Maybe show her a little bit, a little bit more appreciation than we've seen yeah, at home yeah. games so far this year. She's in her bag
1: right now, you know, <laughs> yes. and and I think that uh, you know people in Hawaii, right? Hawaii fans, and uh, we have to be very honest with ourselves here as Hawaii sports fans. Uh, there is a fair weather nature to the way we root for teams. I mean, that's just the truth. That's objective. Um, but we like winners. And this is a winning program. Uh, And it's a program that also schedules really tough and brings some big-name teams in. So, uh, yeah, I I think it is a a little peculiar at times, but you're right. I think there are some attendance numbers that have been sort of on a general decline since the pandemic. And it's just been a little bit more of a challenge to get those numbers back on a more consistent basis. But uh, I kind of do want to maybe explore this a little bit further, but we are up against a commercial break. And uh, so we'll we'll, uh, sort of put that on the the shelf for a moment Uh, maybe get back to that when we come back we also have a pair uh, interestingly enough of rainbow wahine basketball tickets to give away for tomorrow when they host long beach state Uh, and i do want to talk to you about some of the coaching changes in college football including one uh, that has affected your beloved washington huskies so we'll get into that with billy hall of the honolulu star advertiser after this but a reminder uh we got the divisional round of the nfl playoffs coming up you want to check it out go check out 850 craft beer and whiskey bar at leeward bowl they are open 6 a.m Sundays, showing all of the nfl games Uh, you can enjoy the happy hour poo poo menu from 4 to 7 p.m daily they got the new video wall it is a sight to behold it is the place for nfl football all right let's talk sports rolls on after this What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. My guest co-host for the day, uh, he is none other than Billy Hull of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Uh, 808-296-1420, the number to call. You can text in at that number if you have any questions or comments. Uh, You can text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, All right. UW uh, has gone through quite the how do we say, paradigm shift, perhaps, here mm-hmm. uh, in this last week. Um, you very famously went to the national championship game. Um, they unfortunately fell short uh, in their effort to win the hardware against Michigan. Uh, and since then, a whole lot of things have changed. It is akin, at least to some degree, uh, to what Hawaii experienced after. And you kind of compared the experience a little bit uh, to what Hawaii went through in uh, at the 2008 Sugar Bowl after the 2007 season where they went undefeated uh, and then a whole lot of changes came right the head coach left and uh, y- your your superstar quarterback uh, was was gone and uh, things are, are very different the, the the one additive here for Washington is they're also uh, moving to the Big Ten and so you have all kinds of changes here uh, abound for UW uh, their head coach Kalen DeBoer he leaves he goes to Alabama uh, Washington plucks Jed Fish from Arizona. That is uh, just uh, some of the dominoes that then led to Brent Brennan leaving San Jose State to go to Arizona. Uh, So I kind of want to ask you about what you have thought about this, about Kalen DeBoer, his departure, which was met with some dare we say, criticism from some of the players within the locker room, some of them with Hawaii ties. Fa'atui was one of the more outspoken ones on social media who was sort of questioning the loyalty of Kalen DeBoer in this maneuver to go to Alabama, which I think everyone would agree is probably the plum gig in all of college football. It puts you in a power category unlike no other. Um, but what did you think? about that and that was obviously the the uh following nick saban's uh retirement the domino that led to all of these other coaching shifts
0: yeah i think i would start there i think it's it's crazy to think that nick saban retiring at alabama resulted in seven days later brent brennan going from san jose to arizona like that's the whole chain that eventually trickles all the way down you know to to mountain west school losing its coach to a what a big 12 school. Now I'm, that's going to be weird to, to, to remember for a while, but no, I, um, look, I think, I think what's the, the, and I was a little upset because I think it's kind of come to light. And I know a little bit on my own too, that the, the Kalen, DeBoer to Alabama thing, wasn't something that happened after the national championship game there. Um, he shares the same agent as, um, Nick Saban does there. He was offered a contract extension during the year for, uh, quite a lot of money. Uh, I believe it was nine over $9 million a year, So this wasn't about money. He refused to sign it. And so I think you're kind of coming out now with this was kind of sort of the the plan, I think, a little bit. In the works. In the works before the national championship. And so if you tell me, as a fan who, you know, used his money and spent his money to fly to Houston to watch the national championship, and then you see them probably put their worst product out there on the field they had all season long, and then to find out that behind the scenes there was already a little bit of wheeling and dealing that kind of makes you a little bit angry a little bit. So, um, look, I, I at the same time, I understand it's Alabama. You want to do that. I'm not sure I'd want to necessarily be the guy to follow in Nick Saban's shoes. But it's just – it's created this whole um, – just, I mean, it's, for all the kids involved. I mean, this is like – it's so much worse now where, I mean, schools are getting raided. And even Alabama, to an extent, I mean, their coach retired. But if you look now – 23, I think I just read today that 23 players on their two deep are either going to the NFL draft or in the transfer portal. And it's the same thing as Washington, where right now, I'm not sure they have enough kids to hold a full like spring, spring practice or whatever. Um, that's the amount of turnover that's going on with these teams. And when your, coaches, when your coach leaves, there's all that money out there in the transfer portal. Everyone wants to get a piece of it, and now you're seeing these real problems. And, look, I feel for Arizona, too. I know that there were a lot of upset people, a lot of upset players at Arizona. I think it sucks that they have to go through the same thing because they're a part of this chain, this trickle-down chain of, of coaches kind of going from you know, one step to taking the next step and stuff like that. And just the the path of destruction that they kind of leave in their wake is something that's pretty difficult for these 18-, 19-, 20-year-old kids. So. I think the whole thing is just, you know, part of what we've talked about, part of where college football is. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it was it's turned out it, it was a little shady, I think, on the Kalen DeBoer's part, I think kind of lining this up, especially when you've got your team playing for a national championship. That's a tough one for me to kind of figure out. If you want to talk after and, and whatever, and I know you're trying to set yourself up, but it just seemed like, when, you, when your foot maybe is already one foot out the door and then you don't play your best game in the national championship, that can anger a fan base for sure.
1: You actually were the first one to uh, set – up this idea in my mind uh, and so I do need to attribute uh, you on this. Uh, But when you were talking about U-Dub, you were saying you know what they should do? They should get Pete Carroll who had just been basically fired from his job even though they uh, reassigned him to another role within the organization. And I thought immediately like, that's brilliant. Like that would be genius. You just, you scrounge up as much money and resources as you can and you just throw it at Pete Carroll and you say, you don't even have to fill out a change of address form. (laughs) You don't have to move You don't have to get a new car. Uh, You just put on the UW gear and you go back to the college game. You give immediate big splash and celebrity back into the program and maybe keep some of those outgoing transfer portal guys or at least become, once again, this uh, glimmering possible destination uh, for some high-quality recruiting, either uh, transfers or uh, recruits out of high school. Uh, So are you okay, though, with Jed Fish ultimately getting that job or do you
0: still kind of hang on to the idea that that never was <laughs> well i mean when i was when it first happened and, and i was asked the i think the second name i rowed was jed fish at arizona because i'd i saw them play uw earlier in the year and just the the job he had done and it didn't surprise me that arizona won in that run at to, to finish the finished year they went 10 and 3 uh they won their bowl game they're like a legit top 15 team coming back and the job he'd done in the last couple of years turning that program around really just a, a master recruiter. He's brought in some big-time recruits, um, Teratoa McMillan, Noah Fafita quarterback. Like, I mean, they got they got players, and he's really also kind of embraced the Polynesian kind of pipeline yeah. and stuff. And so I, I just really liked what he did, and I said, boy, there's a guy that can recruit. You can use all these resources, resources at dub. I think he'd be a good fit. So it doesn't surprise me they went out and got him. But going back to the Pete Carroll thing, what yeah. I love so much about it was not just having Pete, you know, move you know down the street or whatever, but like bring in like Cam Chancellor and Michael Bennett and like get all the guys together and say, you know what? Because I feel Seattle has a little bit of Hawaii in it. Seattle's a little like we're kind of our own little place in the Pacific Northwest. Nobody really talks about us. We kind of take care of our own. We really kind of got a little bit of that Ohana thing, I feel like, and in Seattle. And it was like, all right, bring all the Legion of Boom guys back. Put them <laughs> on your staff. Go out and recruit. And it'd almost be like, a little bit of the Deion Sanders playbook, right? Get the splash higher, get the splash guys, get all these guys. I mean, the Legion of Boom was 10 years ago when they won the Super Bowl. All these college kids are seven, eight years old when that happened. They know who these guys are and just kind of make this, you know, go the full Pete Carroll route, make it a whole circus, make it this crazy fun atmosphere. You're telling me college kids these days wouldn't want to come out and play for a coach like him, play in an environment like that at a school like Dub? I thought it was a chance to just be Pete Carroll can go out his own way and it would just be this, like, amazing thing where, like, we would actually dominate the, the news coverage, I think. Like, people would check in every day, like how Dion did. I think the Pete Carroll thing in Seattle would have been something that would have been huge nationally. I thought it would have been pretty cool. And Christian Shimabuka was in here yesterday, and he, he actually had a good point, too. He's like, not just like his former Seattle
1: network of guys, but he could bring back some of the USC exactly. dudes, too, like Reggie Bush and them boys, you know? And like, uh, that was exciting to, to think about and ponder. And I, I you know, I think uh, Jedfish is a really good hire, uh, but I think that would have been quite the <laughs> Statement Like, we're not bleeping around, uh, we're bringing Pete yeah. back to the mix, but uh, that uh, was oh, not well. the case. Yeah, hey, what could have been, right? One can dream, we can fantasize. Uh, all right, we're up against a commercial break. I wanted to remind everybody uh, that Kahala doesn't only make Aloha shirts, uh, they make these really, really great performance polos as well. Uh, you can wear them out on the golf course, uh, they keep you cool, they keep you comfortable. Uh, pick one up for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores or at kahala.com. All right, uh, Billy Hull is in the house. When we come back, a couple more texts. We still got to give away a ticket uh, or a pair of tickets to Rainbow Wahine Basketball for tomorrow night against Long Beach State. Uh, And we'll uh, see who Billy likes in this week's uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Konoha Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. I got Billy Hall of the Honolulu Star Advertiser. He is my guest co-host here for the day. 808-296-1420, the number to call. You can text into that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line. I do want to get your thoughts on the divisional round of the NFL playoffs here momentarily, but let's hit up a text or two. Uh, One is Kanoa, Max Holloway, fighting for BMF (laughs) in the UFC. That's right. Uh, He's going to be going up against Justin Gaethje uh, for uh, Justin's uh, BMF belt. BMF, of course, stands for—get ready with the uh, dump button here, Liz— Bad, I'm not going to actually say it, yeah, Um, but uh, yeah, BMF of the UFC, Uh, what do you think about that matchup, and what do you think about this move for Max to kind of do what is more of a novelty type of fight as opposed to uh, further chipping away within divisions?
0: Yeah, I had a fun time in my story in the Star Advertiser today explaining what the BMF title was (laughs) to make it clear to our readers. Bad um, Mama Jamma. Yeah. No, this uh th- I, this makes a lot of sense to me. I, I first of all, this is USC 300. It's April 13th, I want to say in Las Vegas. And you know when they do 100, 200, 300 like these are their big 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 events and it's a chance to I think put on their best card, um showcase some of their stars that have been a big part of the company. And so I felt this whole time Max fought last August, I believe. Like, it's, he's rested, he's ready to go. Max Holloway should be on UFC 300 for everything he's done. His reign is featherweight champion. He's been a big-time part of that organization now for 10 years. I think I even wrote today that outside of Dustin Poirier and Alexander Volkanovsky, those are the only two guys that have beaten him in 11 years, which is pretty impressive. And so, look, the featherweight division is at the point where Volkanovsky's the champ. Max has lost to him three times. He's beaten everyone else. It's kind of hard to figure out what to do. It seemed like if there's a big time fight to be had, uh move up to hundred and fifty five pounds and this is it. I mean, this is this is uh this is gonna be a tough fight. Justin Gagey is 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 a legit dude, and these are two strikers. I think they've combined to have fifty professional wins, thirty-four stoppages. It's gonna be action packed. I think, you know, Dana White when he announced it, they say that Max might be the best boxer, but you know, Justin is some of the most amazing strikes in the UFC. So it's a perfect fan friendly fight. It's gonna be a tough fight for Max. He's moving back 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 up to one fifty five and Mm. This BMF title all started where it was a uh, Jorge Masvidal yes. and Nate Diaz kind of did their thing. And I think it was Nate that said, I'm the baddest mf or whatever. And they actually made a title with BMF mm. on it. And The Rock actually <laughs> went to the thing and like presented <laughs> uh, Masvidal with the belt. And then it's kind of something where... It just kind of came up again in Gaethje's last fight against Dustin Poirier, where it's kind of a similar thing. Two guys that strike, two guys that are just going to go out there and have a heck of a fight and, and prove who's the baddest man out there and stuff. And so this is just kind of a continuation of that. Max is the guy, I mean, shoot, he holds the UFC record for significant strikes landed by a mile. I think it's like almost 4,000, 3, or something. Um, he's just been one of those guys that's done it for a long time. He's an action-packed fighter. And so this is a chance, I think, to steal the show, be the best fight on the card. I don't know exactly where it's going to be. I imagine it's going to be pretty high high up on the main card. Um, Huge opportunity for Max because if he does somehow pull this out, well, now all of these doors open yeah. at 155 pounds for for anything, including maybe an actual a title shot at an actual divisional uh, belt. Yeah, uh, how concerned are you though uh, with the the added weight? Because one of the things
1: that has defined Max Holloway is his, and really both of these fighters, uh, in, in essence, their durability, right? Their their ability to absorb punches. Obviously, Max is one of the greatest of all time at dishing out punishment, uh, but he's also been able to take punishment when you move up in in weight and. Certainly, when you're in these kinds of novelty fights where you're not, uh, you know, totally adhered to a certain, you know, divisional prototype, um, those punches that you're absorbing are tougher and heavier as well.
0: So, how much of a concern is that? Yeah, I think. Well, I mean, he's done this once before. He went up and actually fought uh, Poirier for the, I think it was <clears> the <throat> interim lightweight title. I believe it was in 2019. So he got a taste of going up in weight. But now I think he's going to have a chance, or he's done a good job in the last, I don't know, four, five, six years of kind of staying at a certain weight, even when he's not fighting to make the cut easier. And so I think they're going to be well prepared to kind of have something prepared for him so that he's at the best 155 he is here in, in a few months. Obviously, it's going to be a challenge. He's also getting up there. But you're right. Even in the Poirier fight, it was a decision. He took a lot of blows, but he couldn't get stopped. And Dustin Poirier is one tough dude. Um, and you've seen the Conor McGregor fights, so you kind of know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, this is going to be... I think tough for him. I think he's probably going to be the underdog in the fight, obviously, but I still think um, it's just a great test to kind of see where he's at at this point in his career. You know, I just want to see him go out there and test himself. He's fought some fun fights. The Korean zombie fight was great, but he obviously had had him way overmatched, and so this is going to be a true test for for Max with, look, the possibility again. If he can win this fight, it opens up a ton of doors for him, a ton of big money fights.
1: Do you like the, the BMF sort of just uh, as a concept, you know, the idea where, um, you know, you get to go outside of the divisional structure uh, mm-hmm. to just be able to make these, you know, what can be described as uh, attractive matchups?
0: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it was um, like I said, it was a little bit of a challenge explaining exactly what it was, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're writing about it to a to the casual audience. But yeah, I think it just makes it just kind of adds to it a little bit, you know. I love the idea when they did it. I thought it was kind of cool and just added to the whole um, um, just status of the fight when you had the Rock out there waiting to present this belt to the winner. They'll have a lot of fun with it, I think. Leading up, one of the funny things that was I saw though was they. Um, Justin Gaethje was asked, I think this was last year, he was asked in an interview about potentially fighting Max. Like, this is a fight because of the styles, because of the way they two match up that people have talked about. And Justin was like, man, I don't want to fight that guy. That guy, he's just too nice. It's Max. He's such a cool dude. I don't want to go in there trying to beat his head in and stuff. And so they must have, uh, I'm guessing they must have thrown some money. They make it worthwhile to make them both want to do it. But I think these are two guys that kind of respect each other, and I think it's uh, it's going to be a banger for sure. It's one of those fights that you know, I've, I've, I'm have i not as into MMA as I used to be, but when I saw I was going to be Max against Gaethje, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be must-see TV.
1: Alright, let's hit uh, the text line up. Uh, again, 808-296-1420, the number. Uh, this is for you, Billy. Billy, do you know the status of Rainbow Wahine basketball players Avery Watkins and Brooke Morrell? Brooke was around the team in the first few games. Next season, we have three incoming freshmen from New Zealand and Australia, two New Zealand, one Australian, with only Ashley Toms as a senior this season. Uh, I know that Brooke Morrell uh, out for the year uh, after suffering an injury and in shoot around, that was before the Idaho game. That was actually on the Maui Invitational floor, if you remember, uh, when they brought in that special floor for that tournament. Uh, we have not seen Avery Watkins. I'm not sure if there's an injury situation there as well, uh, but uh, any light you can shed on that, or uh, also kind of your thoughts on the fact that they only have one outgoing senior here on this
0: roster. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's gonna be you know, there might have to be a position or two that opened up, but you looked I think it was last week when they were home, you saw there were only, I think, what, eleven girls warming up warming up right now, and they've obviously been through their share of injuries. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll kinda see I think there's maybe a couple girls that, that are on the fat on the fence about red or not. You might see you might see someone coming back here pretty soon, but Coach Coach Beeman's always been kind of tight-lipped with uh, yeah. uh, that with me, and so you just, uh, like we always kind of joke, you never quite know when you go to one of our games until you see, you kind of look at warm-ups and then you'll kind of notice.
1: Yeah, we've uh, said it on the broadcast a couple of times, uh, myself and Lori Santee, that uh, they're sort of waiting here on Jackie David and Jovi LeFotu, both suffering uh, knee injuries last year, and that when you look at the time frame in terms of their rehab, like right around now is when uh, maybe there's more serious consideration that can be given to maybe one of those players coming back, but there has been no a formal announcement for sure. Uh, I think you're right, there's probably going to be at least some consideration you'd have to imagine given to the possibility of redshirting some of these players that we're talking about, uh, and so it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think in the case of uh, Jackie David particularly that would be a huge boost if they can mm-hmm. deepen their front court rotation she like amani Perez one of those players that has both perimeter and post ball skills uh, and so she can kind of be out there in any combination uh, but you also don't want to take any chances here i mean these are players that if you know if you're looking at the timeline this season and thinking all right we're kind of getting close to the end and they're playing pretty good basketball to begin with right now um you know how much do you want to um maybe if you consider it a risk but how much do you want to bring these players uh back if um you know maybe there's more time that you can benefit from with them uh moving forward but all of those wheels have to be turning for sure for Laura Beeman
0: yeah definitely I mean they're already eight nine deep they're already um you know off to a pretty good start like you said playing well and it just it's kind of exciting you know actually it's funny I after the loss on Saturday I uh, talked to coach on the phone and I kind of said you know you know, she was, she was great. She's like, dude, it's one loss. We're not expecting to go undefeated. Nobody's panicking. Like, you know, it, it's it's fine. Don't worry. And I kind of asked her, like, it's got to be kind of exciting because I, you know, you would agree that you probably – haven't come close to playing your best game of the season. There's so many ways this team can improve. There's like when you see them individually and see the potential they have individually and then just imagine what collectively they can all do do together, especially with some of these girls that are out that if maybe one or two come back, like it's got to be exciting to know that you're already at this point looking this good in the Big West, and yet there is such a huge um, uh, um, ceiling for this team to get to that if they get there, if they get there in March, I'm telling you, they're going to be... They're gonna be very scary.
1: Uh all right, Ashley Toms, the Lone Senior. We appreciate the texts are coming in and uh giving us uh reason to talk about that. And so she wears number two on her jersey. And so <laughs> caller number two gets the tickets, the uh, pair of tickets to Rainbow Wahine basketball tomorrow night against Long Beach State. All you have to be de- uh, all you have to be, easy for me to say, is the second caller here. Liz Stacy is working the phone line. 808-296-1420 is the number. Pair of tickets to caller number two. Two. That's how we're doing it right here. Caller number two. Meanwhile, try Domino's Mix and Match Special. Download the Domino's app and get any three items for just $7.99 each. Choose from pizzas, pastas, boneless chicken bites, and more. Find the mix and match deals under the coupon section on the app Domino's Hawaii. They deliver aloha. Caller number two gets the Rainbow Wahine basketball tickets. We're going to fly through the divisional round and get Billy's picks when we come back in the NFL playoffs and our best and worst. welcome back congrats to lonnie lonnie in honolulu won the uh, pair of tickets to rainbow wahine basketball tomorrow night at long beach state see you there lonnie uh we will both be there myself and uh, my guest co-host for the day billy hull of the honolulu star advertiser in uh, the house. Uh, all right. So um, we're going to change things up just a little bit here. Uh, actually, first, what I want to do, if, if I may, um, just kind of give a um, shout out and an aloha to uh, what was kind of a shocking headline here uh, that occurred overnight. Golden State Warriors assistant coach Dejan Malojevic, um, who has been a mentor to Nikola Jokic. Uh, Over his time, um, he is a native of Serbia, just like uh, Joker, uh, died uh, this morning in Utah after suffering a heart attack uh, last night. A uh, game between Utah and Golden State has been postponed because of it. Uh, But you pointed out something that was, um, you know, the fact that this actually hits much closer
0: to home as well, Billy. Yeah, he has a son that plays for the uh, HPU team. He was only 46 years old, and that's just I can't even imagine right now what what, what he's going through uh, being out here in the islands right now and hearing that about his his dad, I guess, um, just... Best wishes, everything out to them, yeah, that family. Nikola Milojevic
1: of uh, the HPU basketball team. So, yeah, I just kind of wanted to do that, give a shout-out, yeah. uh, you know, blessings, aloha, uh, and prayers for sure uh, for that family. Uh, all right, we will uh, very awkwardly now transition into what I want to do a little bit differently, right? Instead of just our traditional best and worst stories, uh, we're going to kind of tie it into this week's divisional round of the NFL playoffs. Um, you have the matchups. you got Texans-Ravens, Packers-49ers. That's on Saturday. Those are both nine-point in favor of the Ravens and Niners, respectively. Uh, Detroit, a a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the Buccaneers. Uh, And then you got the tightest spread, which is Bills actually minus three at home against the Chiefs. So I want your best pick and your worst pick here uh, in this weekend's divisional round.
0: I just want to shout you out. You're a a six-and-a-half-point favorite in the divisional round of the playoffs. Good luck, all. Yeah, I know. That's definitely not the kiss of death. No, not at all. Okay, I'm going to go... Oh, man, these are tough. Some of these spreads are big. I think my best pick is I'm going to do it again. I've done it all year long. I've never gotten it right. I'm going to pick, once again, against Patrick Mahomes. I think the best pick is the Bills at home for me, minus three. I think just the Chiefs, yeah, their defense is really good. They're, They're confident. They somehow pull these games out. But at some point, the lack of offense, the lack of receivers, Travis Kelsey not being his guy in a big game, has got to create enough of a problem for them to not be able to win. And I just think the Bills are on this weird, like, we kind of forgot about them, late season rise, a little bit of a run. So my best pick out there, I think, is going to be Bills minus three.
1: Okay. All right. That's your best pick. I'm going to go with my best. And this is a fat spread. And C.J. Stroud is balling. He is binging. He is uh, one of the best rookies to ever play in the NFL, certainly at the quarterback position. Uh, And I love his story and uh, just fantastic to to follow him and his rise. But they're going up against the Ravens, and I just feel like the Ravens are a juggernaut. Lamar is on a different level this year. There was an article in ESPN.com about just like the look in his eye is different. Uh, This is a guy, every interview he's done in every of these late win, and even over the course of the season, uh, any of these big victories, uh, he is just very mission-oriented. He's like, no, we got to win another one, then we got to win this, and we want to get to the Super Bowl. Like That is his uh, line of dialogue each and every time, Uh, and I just feel like Baltimore has the capability of winning by more than nine points against the Texans. Yes, I know CJ Stroud, D'Amico Ryan's like, yes, that team is on the come up, uh, but the Baltimore Ravens, I believe this is their time, so I'm going with the Ravens as my best pick.
0: I like it. I like it. You know, I'm looking at these two games, these nine point spreads. It's like are both of them gonna just cover easily, no problem? You know, there haven't been that many great I mean, the, the Detroit and Rams
1: game was really the only good game of the opening weekend. So there've been some blowouts here already in the NFL
0: playoffs. What do you think that says? Is there maybe too many playoffs teams, too uh, many teams that make the playoffs just like there will be in college <laughs> football next year? Is that are you implying anything like that? Uh. Okay, my worst. So we're, this is like our least confident pick of the four. Is that what our worst picks will be? Yes, yes. All right, my least. I'm struggling with this so much over here. I think my least confident is I, I think <laughs> I think the Lions are favored. <laughs> you are struggling I think with the Lions is. are favored by too many points, but I could see, I mean, it's Baker Mayfield. He could easily have a bad game. I'm going to take Tampa Bay plus six and a half. Whoa. I just think it's a lot of points. It's, you know, Detroit is a great win against a Rams team that I think is really, really, really good. That's just a lot of points. I mean, Detroit's in this position now. I know it's going to be crazy in the dome. I don't feel great about it at all, but I just six and a half points. I got to take the Buccaneers there. (sighs) Yeah, I'm looking at that game too, Um,
1: and and I have no confidence whatsoever now. Like, remember I was feeling good. Like, hey, whatever happens, happens. It's it's just gravy at this point. It's icing on the cake. Now I'm like absolutely um, just being tortured over this thing. Uh, And I think I'm going to go with the Lions. And I know that that's stupid because they haven't been here before. This is their first playoff win in 32 years, and now I'm like, oh, they're going to win by a touchdown in the divisional round. Uh, But the Buccaneers, uh, they've also gone through a little bit of a turbulence here in the last couple of seasons. Baker Mayfield has also not really been uh, in this uh, position, certainly not that long with Tampa Bay. uh, And he has the potential to also uh, throw up uh, one of those uh, sort of head-scratching performances So I think I'm just I'm counting on that. I mean, certainly Jared Goff can do the same. (laughs) Definitely Jared Goff can do the same. But I just think, you know, Detroit behind that breakthrough win. Right. The momentum of that breakthrough, that first victory and forever and and on their home field where they are a completely different team. um, I think I'm going to go with Detroit. I think they can win by a tutty. By a tutty? I like it. But, but it's my worst. It's my yeah, worst because no, exactly. I have no confidence. exactly. Yes.
0: We're, we're talking about these like we're all excited about. These are our worst picks. But just what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles? Does anybody know? Like, does anybody have any answers? What happened to that team? They were ten and one. Yeah, ten and one, and then they get blown out the way they did by the Buccaneers. That that is that was quite the fall from grace. I by the think
1: uh, we, we have uh, maybe about like 45 seconds left. I, I think that's one of the more interesting things about this. Uh, you know, the, you have the coaching carousel and job vacancies in college and NFL football every year, every offseason. What makes this one different, though, the quality of coaches that are potentially available. Bill Bleep and Belichick, Pete Bleep and Carroll. And if you are a team like the Dallas Cowboys and you're sitting there with Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones, who is Mr. Self-Sabotage, it seems, at times do you give consideration even if you haven't fired a coach Nick Sirianni with Philly if you have lost any amount of confidence in your coach do you think to yourself maybe get Bill on the line maybe get Pete on the line that's what makes this offseason so interesting to me Billy it's always interesting with you buddy thanks Liz thanks everybody out there we'll see you tomorrow